Pie in the Sky Media. This series contains adult language and descriptions of graphic violence throughout. Listener discretion is advised. Wait a second. All right, we're live. Three, two, one. Welcome back, Criminal Mischief Nation. I guess Carolyn wants to be all Christmassy. I thought it was whether it was work time, but I guess we just gotta pretend that we love the holidays. All right, go, go ahead. Okay, dragging me down, dragging me down. Go ahead. What's your favorite just Christmas ask song? Brandon, oh. I just had this simple, the simple request was, "What's your favorite Christmas song?" Go. Yeah, and it's this easy. Is it begins and ends with "Santa Claus is Coming to Town" by Bruce Springsteen. That's it. That's it. Everything else is a distant second. Okay, so how about you, okay. Carolyn? You know what? It's done. I'm done. I'm not even sharing. I Let don't feel guess. like this. Let is- me guess. Let me guess. Yes, uh, guess. <laughs> something by Bing Crosby. You know, probably the, you know, obviously White Christmas. No, maybe, maybe you'd fall for like the nostalgia of like you know uh, Jingle Bells or something like that, right? What's your favorite? That's what you're giving me? That's what you think that I'm That's about? What I'm you. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, Tenenbaum, like the Christmas tree song. Is that it? No. No. I have many. I have many. I have, I have, I mean, the Charlie Brown, Vince, I don't know mm-hmm. how to I mess up his last name, but um, I love that one that gets me in the mood. Mm-hmm. And um, I love Last Christmas Lamb. I mean, that's classic. Oh, that's pretty good. You know what? Now, now, now you've got me thinking a little bit. Um, I remember as a kid at my grandparents' house down outside in D.C. I had one set of grandparents in New Hampshire and one set in D.C. And uh, we'd alternate years. And me and my brother, being in the basement of my grandparents' house in D.C., where we slept, they had like a finished basement and they had this old record player. And we'd go through the 45s and there was this one Christmas song, uh, Snoopy and the Red Baron. Do you know that song? Of course. Yeah, Snoopy and the Red Baron. The whole, the whole thing, yeah. Yeah, Snoopy and the Red Baron always puts me right in like, like 10, 11 year old like Christmas kind of time when it was like, you know that there's no Santa, but you know you you want your gifts and you know you know it's about family and all that. So it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good song. It's a good song. A rocket around the Christmas tree. Yeah, it's pretty good. That, yeah. That's a good one. It's all right. Okay. Okay, fine. Let's move hey, uh, on. I can hey, tell that. Hey, you- any Christmas parties for you this year? Um, you know, we've been having like, you know, my husband's been gathering with friends. We got together with, uh, we went to this, you know, bar that we go to and we gathered there and it was really great. It's funny because this friend of my husband's, I've literally known him. I didn't even realize it like for, since I was 20 years old, mm. you know, I mean, that's when I met my husband when I was 20 years old. And wow. so that's his best friend. And we've like, when we both went to UW together, this friend and I, we'd carpool together and, and like, we had a relationship, but it was like, you know, this is Paul's friend, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, and it's his best friend. So it's always been, but now it's like, I, I feel like he's almost like a brother because we have so much shared history, Yeah, you know what I mean? That he's become like, anyway, it's just kind of interesting, you know, when you just know people for so long. What about you? Um, yeah, well, you know, we're 
a small business owner, my wife primarily, I don't have anything to do with the business, but so we had uh, the employee uh, holiday dinner last night, which was, you know, it was fun. It was great. The night before her best friend's husband turned 50 and his dream was to be roasted like a comedy central like roast oh my god okay yeah i know and uh he didn't know what was gonna happen i know he didn't know what was gonna happen his wife started reaching out to us about like three weeks ago you you totally destroy my husband sure brandon will be there i said are you sure i mean i feel terrible your husband's one of the greatest guys that i know like so nice and so generous and so loyal and like every, I don't want to, I'll feel bad. She goes, if you love him, you'll do it. Cause that's all that he's ever wanted. He's, he's dreamed about it for years. He doesn't know what's going to happen. And I roasted the shit out of this motherfucker. I mean, <laughs> like I said, you just yeah. want me to bring my own spit. And he loved it. He loved it. And I felt so bad, but he loved it. So uh, happy birthday. It was great. And that was a great time. They actually hired um, a professional game night like company that like mm-hmm. came in. There were like 30 of us at the party and they orchestrated this really kind of fun, super, super competitive like series of games. So that was a lot of fun. So it was a busy weekend. And now, you know, just back to work, back to work. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So great idea for the, uh, for the, for the Christmas special. How'd you think of this? Like, how'd you, how'd you land on this story? Oh my gosh, it was quite a, a rocky, bumpy land because mm. I started off thinking, okay, Christmas Carol, but it's so long. It's like yeah. 80 pages. So I'm looking for an abridged version. Couldn't find it. That was like 40. And then I was like, okay, then we talked about Krampus. Well, Krampus is like a folktale. Any mm-hmm. movies that are made are like off this folktale. So it's not like, anyway, I couldn't find anything, right? So then I thought, okay, I love the idea of a Victorian Christmas ghost story. I just find mm-hmm. that to be like, so so I landed on this because I love Sherlock Holmes. And this mm-hmm. this was written like four years before he started um, that series. Yeah. So, um, you know, I thought it'd be something fun to do, something different. So what year was it written? Do you Do you know? You know what? I don't know. I know it was four years before the series was written. Um, you know, 1800s. Right. Because I was just wondering if he would have been uh, inspired by Shackleton, you know, the endurance and Ernest Shackleton. <laughs> you know what? Boat. I was channeling Master and Commander. That's what my husband. Yeah, right. Did you Master and Commander. Oh my god! This was a whaling. This was a whaling boat. Like there was a lot of, there's a lot of Melville in there. Obviously, there's a ton of Shackleton because that's what Shackleton Mm -hmm. and his crew eventually did. There was one point in the story that you read where he assured his men, "Don't worry if the ice closes, we'll walk like to land and get and then go overland to open sea." And that's what Shackleton did. Like actually, fucking did it. Yeah. So see um, that mummy of him? Did you ever see that mummy of Shackleton? Now they mummified him. Holy shit! I, mean, I think that's who it was. My my daughter was like into mummies, like probably you know years ago, and she loved all the books about mummies, and that was like one of the ones that really stood out of this guy. Did you have her? I, did you have her talk to somebody, Carolyn? Like, you know what? I love that she's into natural. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I love it. My daughter was into dinosaurs forever. That's I mean, it. Just- I, 
my daughter is like, uh, she she was She's so wicked crazy. smart, right? She's wicked smart. I, I was waiting for it. I've been <laughs> waiting for it. Wicked smart. Um, yes, she is. Very much so. And uh, I loved it that she was into mummies. Because yeah. it was she was fascinating. When I was a kid, I don't know if you remember when the King Tut exhibit like went around. Of course. And it was like, wow, I was so like into it. I was so into it. I loved what, it. I, what freak did anything freak you out when you learned about Egyptian mummification? I did. My sister, she um had this, I remember she was like, I think she was in the fourth grade or something, and and I, I'm three years younger, and she was talking about canoptic jars. And I just mm. would always remember that when I was a little kid, yeah. how they would that's take where they the put the, That's where the organs go, right? Right, but they would take the hooks and go through the nose and just that the whole- Rain coming out through the nose like really fucked me up for a long time, like thinking about that. <laughs> I know, that. that's what I'm saying. I know, me too. Gosh. That's the first thing that comes. Oh. The I just remember the canoptic jars. Gosh, yeah. yeah. Because you know the afterlife. Okay, um, mm -hmm. you'll be you'll be fine without your brain. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, um, so right. So let's talk about this. So, so the story yeah. is obviously written uh, from the point of view of the ship's doctor. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. Which I, I liked, and I like that it's it's such a classic. Um, kind of entry point for a horror story, right? There's, it's like, like a monster in a box, right? You're isolated. There's no escape. You're at the mercy of your surroundings. If you try to leave, you die. It's like cabin in the woods where the bad guy's outside. You can't leave the cabin, right? This is a, a whaling ship stuck in ice. Can't go anywhere. Well, and I mean, and it's even one step further, that isolation of the terrifying 900 miles away. Mm -hmm. You know, it kind of yeah. takes your breath away to think of the expanse of that and how terrifying that is, you know, yeah. like the, how small human beings truly are. And they're, they're here by themselves. And um, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a really perfect place to have a scary ghost story for sure. Yeah. It's where it's like, again, reading, reading Melville, that's something that really kind of catches you um, is where how far they journeyed in, in, in their hunt for these massive whales. So, I mean, from Nantucket to the opposite side of the world. And, and, and it's not like when you're like, all right, we're heading home, you're still months away. <laughs> Maybe mm -hmm. if you even make it, you know, so it's, it's right. It's so, so it's the isolation. And with this, it's even weirder because it's not like you're surrounded by open sea. You're surrounded by ice, which is just as dangerous. It's still not like, you can just hop off the boat and go take a stroll because, you know, there's polar bears and shit out there and just the elements that will kill you relatively quickly. Um, mm -hmm. So, so great place to, to stage really what eventually becomes like a psychological thriller. Yeah. Okay, where what I, what I love too is, is the, the relationships that form among men. And I mean, this is with women too, but it just happens to mm -hmm. be that the ship was yeah. full of men and, and the, you know, you can have these romances, platonic romances, and, mm -hmm. and they almost became like partners, you know, like in Master and Commander, like that relationship was so powerful. Like, you love that. And, and they would play music together, and they would eat together every night, and they would, in this camaraderie. Companionship. It's, it's absolutely companionship. Yeah. And so yeah. 
I feel like the the drama between these relationships was a part of it too that I enjoyed. You know, but because- I also got the I also got the feeling that the doctor was always a little bit of it was an interrogation, like the whole time. I don't think any of it was ever like, yo, we're homeboys and we're gonna get through this together. It was always mm-hmm. like, is can we trust him to lead us? Like always looking for a little bit of of psychosis or a little bit of paranoid schizophrenia or some kind of emotional or mental break, right? Where he would be able because then it would be up to him to diagnose that and mm-hmm. and to maybe gather the troops to help like restrain this guy and relieve him of his command or something like that. Right. So that's what I always kind of, I felt this backdrop to the doctor's intentions weren't always just, I'm here for you. Let's hang out. It was, it was a little bit of an an investigative bent to his, to his conversations. Yeah. I mean, I think that he was a professional and you have to, you know, he took his job very seriously, but I do think that there was, he very much, was enamored with the captain and he wanted the captain to be the ca- his captain. You know, he didn't like it that he was kind of like, but he was loyal to him. You know, he yeah. basically proved that to the very end. And I think that the doctor had a journey, you know, just as much as the captain had a journey, but in a totally different way. It's like his like acting like, you know, the crew were just these suspicious, like, you know, kind of, you know, putting himself above them. And then at the end, he comes full circle to be like, I would never put, I would never judge anybody based on a man's own experience, you know, so he had grown. So I feel I like- think I, I think you're right though. I, I, he, I think he did have a little bit of a superiority complex in that- Absolutely. That he, he was kind of used his skepticism as a shield for that, right? Like these these idiots, right? They believe in ghosts and apparitions and all this kind of shit, right? At least the captain mm-hmm. doesn't, so we're cool. Um, so yeah, so that was interesting. I also got kind of, I love just kind of surrendering to 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 the language of the time, right? Like, yeah, me too. I, I really I really love that. Um, and then uh, I don't know where you found those actors who really just were. Dog, able to I knew you were gonna. I- to you know, commit to it i'm telling you i mean where if do you, you find like a highland scott and a drunken irishman in seattle like i don't know where you get where you find these people <laughs> but but to, to so and they so deftly navigated the the really specific language of a bygone you, nautical if era you if you that, knew how much I, I struggled with that you would not you would not do that. And then I, I just surrendered to it, Brandon. Like, like, like I you audition, do you audition these it. actors or like, where do you find them? Okay. On the street, in a homeless Stop. camp? Like, where do you find these people? In the jungle? Okay, Is that where you? I'm totally so, just sitting here taking it in. Okay. I'm taking it in. Okay. You win. I'm what I'm telling you. I you were you were doing mm-hmm. accent. When do you do accent work for fun? I don't. I, mean, I don't. You that do. was oh, I you do. No, you do. I don't. I don't. I you don't. Did. I'm thinking the Scottish language, it's actually a different language. Because I was like, this is so terrible. I can't even do this. But then I was like, I said, I I was pot committed. I couldn't cut it out. No, and, and then, then I was there's... like, okay, I'm just gonna do an American version of this. And so I was actually looking up the Scottish. Okay. See, this is why I, I wasn't even going to explain myself. It because- was great. It was great. And then all of the nautical language about different parts of the ship and different decks and all that. I mean, it was very, 
It was very involved. You had a lot. There was a lot of moving parts to this episode. I know. Okay? That's why I was saying. I, that's why I was saying it was. It I bit off a little bit more than I could chew. I'll be. But I'll I didn't. I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you give up at any time. You were fully committed. There wasn't any time where you, where you went. Ah, oh, fuck it. Ah, oh, fuck it. And you let the. You know had a friend that signed up for the roast. I am not that friend. Okay. I'm I'm being serious now. You you didn't ever, you didn't let mm-hmm. up. You didn't ever pull the ripcord and say fuck it with this accent, right? Like you followed through with Believe it. Believe me, I wanted to. I you wanted didn't, to. Though. You didn't. And I it know. Was, it was great, and it was interesting. It it, it offered a lot of um, possibilities for um, for some post production stuff in it too. You know, like with each new journal entry and stuff, like treating it as a new chapter. You know, in the audio version, mm-hmm. like you know, like we did here. So I had a lot of fun with it. It also brought back. So, all right. Cause you know, I read a lot about Shackleton and his biography, uh, obviously read Moby Dick several times and, um, gosh, like 15 years ago or so, I guess I read, I read a book called, um, uh, abandoned ship, which is an account of the sinking of the USS Indianapolis, the army. I'm oh, sorry, the, the, Navy, the Navy ship, but yeah, but it delivered, it delivered the bomb right to our our air base in the in the Pacific theater which then got loaded on the Enola Gay which then bombed you know Hiroshima um it was after it delivered the bomb that it was sunk by a Japanese submarine two torpedoes hit it it sank in like something ridiculous like 15 minutes okay um and what the author really got into was I don't know how he got the men to talk about this but he got some really harrowing accounts of survivors right that survived the sharks for those three or four days that they were in the water and um and something because it it was so reminiscent of the of the captain in the end of this story where he thinks he sees his beloved okay and chases her down okay there's no one on the ship that could have stopped him okay because in his mind he sees her boom there we go all right and who knows? It was hinted at they were on half rations. Maybe he was delusional. Maybe he was, who knows, like what led him to this? Podium okay. chloride, bromide, or whatever right. that was. All of these fucking weird meds that he was being, being uh, brandy, who knows? So in the uh, the Indianapolis saga with the with, with the, the, the sailors that were in the water there, um, one guy was saying that occasionally um, one of the men would look over and swear that he sees an island just uh, like less than a quarter mile away. We could all swim to it. And he takes off his life vest so we could swim faster. And he's like, why aren't any of you following me? Let's go, let's go. It's right there. How could you not see it? And then just goes below the surface and drowns. But so sure was he that he saw this. And then the craziest fucking one that I remember reading in this book was that one guy, they were like in a group of like, they grouped up into like six or eight guys, like in a circle so they could kick all, kick sharks together, right? Like safety in numbers kind of thing, Okay. And uh, and one guy at a certain point looked down into the water, okay, and said, holy shit, look at that. It's a, it's the soda fountain that I went to when I was growing up. He thought he saw a re- the interior of a restaurant below the surface, and he ripped off his life vest and fucking swam to it, and they never saw him again. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Okay, I love gift-giving during the holiday season. What fills me up is buying thoughtful experiences or homemade crafts for the kids, educational toys, books. But I'm reminded by my husband that's what I want. That's what makes me feel warm and fuzzy instead of a gluttonous consumer. Which is why I know that as an adult, I need to get over my stuff. Because of course, I want to get the kids what makes their little faces light up with joy and happiness. And I know that also means gift cards, electronics, battling at the mall for a parking spot, standing in line with other stressed out parents. You know, all that merriment and good cheer. Seriously though, I'm no Scrooge. The holidays are such a special time of year to spend with family and friends. But I also know that sometimes for me, it can be a challenging time of the year. Which is why I give a gift to myself that also pays dividends for my family and really is the the gift that keeps giving. Talking with someone about my thoughts and feelings this time of year. Because I've learned that therapy is a safe space where I can continue to learn positive coping skills and how to have healthy boundaries and to learn how to accept myself for all my quirks. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is super easy to get started because it's entirely online, totally designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Mischief, M-I-S-C-H-I-E-F today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mischief. I don't know about you, but I sort of cringe when people are on some kind of health kick and they just wear it on their sleeve. I'm already motivated to work out and eat healthy, but I'm also a busy mom and I like to do what I like to do when I like to do it. So I'm always a little bit skeptical at the latest trend, but on the flip side, I'm also very curious and I'm also looking for things to incorporate into my lifestyle that make me feel good, are worth my time, and most important, are sustainable, which for me could mean on any given day, I may be looking for quick and easy, or if I have more time, arduous and challenging and everything in between. Which is all to say when it comes to quick and easy with massive positive health benefits, I am loving Dose for Your Liver. Dose for Your Liver is an organic wellness shot that supports your liver in one delicious drink. Down the hatch and you've done a solid for your liver, which is no small thing. Your liver is literally your body's filter. It flushes out unwanted elements and it breaks down the essential nutrients that you want and shares the good stuff with the rest of your body. Did you know that liver health can actually impact everything from your brain to your skin, gut health, digestion, and everything in between? If you want to give Dose a shot and invest in your health, Dose is offering Criminal Mischief listeners 15% off your first order, plus an additional 15% off if you subscribe for a monthly delivery. That's 30% off your first order. Go to dosedaily.co slash mischief, that's M-I-S-C-H-I-E-F, and use code mischief. That's dosedaily.co slash mischief, and use code mischief. Well, because they were in the Pacific, right? So it was super yeah. hot and like- Just delusional, like no food, no the food, sun fucking beating on sun you. Beating down tired, scared, like nonstop, you know, but it's just how the mind you plays tricks me out is, yeah. is like Jaws, that captain. I think I was channeling him. Remember when the captain was like talking about- Do I about remember? Do I remember? It's the, it's the greatest monologue in cinematic history. Okay. Well, I'm just telling you, that's who I was channeling. The Quint. You mean Quint? 
Yes. On the orca? Yeah, I know what you're talking about, Carolyn. Yeah, I do. Ask, do I know the, the captain and Jaws? Who are you talking to? Of course. Okay, okay. well, I just want to make sure that no, you're kidding. of the same caliber. Yeah, no, I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm, I'm breaking your balls. But there, that, there, there's a whole documentary that can be made about that monologue. Because that wasn't in the book. It wasn't in Benchley's novel. It wasn't in the original script. Um, mm-hmm. But Spielberg's like, we need something more here. And so he reached out to Milius, right? The director, writer, uh, like crazy Apocalypse Now fucking guy. Um, and said, hey, give this crusty old captain a crazy monologue that scares the shit out of these guys and shuts them up. And he, and he said, <laughs> the next day he goes, how about this? And sends it off. And Spielberg's like, fuck, don't change a word. Just, just say this. And, uh, mm-hmm. and just fucking magical. Just you know, it's so cool incredible. because a while ago I had watched a, the making of the Jaws and it was mm. so The cool. shark is working, <laughs> right? And just how our imaginations are even better than any kind of, like, mm. I love that. I love, and I love that, the, like, that's his first major movie and there's all these problems and the shark isn't working and that creative workaround to, like, figure it out and they not, hope. like, they didn't know if it was going to work or not, right? They didn't know. Spielberg is like, I hope this works because we have no other choice. I know, right? but that works. That's what's they, so great. They go to shark POV because because the shark so doesn't great. work. And then and there's a great interview with him and John Williams. We go see John Williams every year at the Hollywood Bowl. The music, when Williams first went, okay, Stephen, I've been working on this for like weeks. Dun, 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 dun. And Stephen's like, no, really, what's this? Now, now play the real music for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, no, really, that's it. He goes, that's nothing. That's two fucking notes. What are you talking about? He goes, just trust me. Trust me, it'll work. So they took so many chances. They were right on the edge of disaster at every step. And what he wound up doing was inventing the summer blockbuster. I, so, I know that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's so it's, it's such a it's a beautiful thing. And then like with the with the 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 what are those things that go under the water and you can track the shark? Just coming up with that. The barrels. You know, the, the barrels. Oh no, like that's a real to, thing. That's a real thing. I, I know, but they had to yeah. do that yeah. along with the music to get yeah. our minds. Like they had to put it together, you yeah. know, so that so it's like that whole thing. Anyway, I, I find that to be. You know what's so great about the barrels is that they were just used so well. Mm-hmm. You know, when you hear Quinn going, I can't go under with three barrels. Not with three, he can't. And then all three of the barrels fucking go underwater. You know how strong know. you have to be? Yeah. And then the next cut is just open sea with the orca way in the distance. And then right in the frame, a barrel surfaces. Like, yeah. I know. They couldn't show you the shark. I know. I know. <laughs> That's right. So Anytime great. You, know, you come up with like I can't do it, it'll never work. Think of Jaws because Jaws. that's exactly like they could have tanked that. It and it's good. You got to you got to figure it out. It's that great Stoic wisdom, you know. It, you change your perspective and say, "This isn't happening to me. This is happening for me." And you got to figure out what the gift is and the obstacle, right? And yeah, so yeah. Spielberg could have just gone, "Fuck it." We got to wait and spend a lot more money so you can see the shark all the time. And by, you know, by the second act, people are like, I've seen the shark so many times. I'm not, it's not scary anymore. But mm-hmm. since he couldn't, and we don't see the shark till the third act, then we're, we everyone's shitting in their pants and no one goes in a pool for 10 years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> 
(laughs) (laughs) I know. I absolutely love that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so what do you think it was with this captain? Uh, You know what? I've thought about it so many times. I'm like, okay, when, when, when they said that he came with the, with the the neck injury, I was like, oh, is he going to be a vampire? Oh my gosh, that'd be so cool. Okay. And then that, that kind of went away. And then, and then I was like that, I don't know. Then, then I kind of thought, did he murder her? Is that why they think he's a criminal? Is, did he murder this, his beloved? Is that the problem? Is this what's happening? And so, and then, but then at the end where it says that she died by a horrible tragedy or whatever that last line was when he was out at sea, then that would be like, okay, well, was she upset because he wasn't there to protect her from whatever horrible thing happened? Like, I don't know. What do you think? It's it's interesting because um, in the Victorian era, era with that type of of, of writing and, and the beautiful kind of prose and all the specificity and, like, and all of that, a lot of the time, for me anyway, um, it distracts me from subtext. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and it's such an interesting character that they paint and, and of the, in the, in the captain and it unfolds over the story where this guy was just constantly looking for fucking adventure. Right. Mm-hmm. He became this captain because it was the most single, most dangerous thing that he could do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Until a war breaks out and he's like, I'm going to probably go on the front lines. So did he have a death wish? Maybe. Was he just uber masculine adrenaline junkie like the type of guy today that would be climbing Everest and would be base jumping and would be like whatever like was he just a thrill seeker right yeah um because he comes because he is obviously wounded in battle he takes a bullet to the neck and that was the only fishing or whaling season that he missed in years 30 years old and to be a captain massive overachiever okay mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and so there's a version of it of the of, to, to interpret this where even more dangerous for a man than all of those other things is f- allowing yourself to fall in love with a woman or to fall in love mm-hmm. with somebody. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because that's something you have no control over as well. Right. That's something that you are you're at the mercy of another person's affections and their decisions and their actions. Okay. Um, it was hinted at towards the end there were, it was hinted, the supernatural was hinted at in the fact that she died while he was at sea. So was there a way that he was able to feel that, right? And did her ghost appear and beckon him, let's go be together? Then it becomes mm-hmm. very Edgar Allan Poe-ish. You know, who knows, yeah. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. because you know he was still kind of figuring out who he was as a writer at this time, right? Like, yeah, he was mm-hmm. four years away from Sherlock Holmes, where he really kind of announced himself to the world. So obviously Poe would seem was uh, an inspiration to, for the story. But so it, it's, he couldn't quite get there by mm-hmm. by really leaning into the supernatural. It was a kind of a, some beautiful imagery that he came up with, with what he, what he felt was like a, a snowdrift was actually the woman, you know, kissing him and, and taking him with her, you know, so that that's interesting. Uh, the last kind of image that we have of the captain is a smile frozen on his face and his arms stretched out. Like he actually hinting to us that he found her and he was successful mm-hmm. in, in what he was going after. So I like it. I, I like all of it. And, and I like adding to the dangerous activities 
that he partook in the most dangerous of all was allowing his heart to be given to to a, someone that he fell in love with right i like thinking about that you know so i just wouldn't I, what was bothering me or like my curiosity was an overdrive was like was all this danger seeking thrill seeking after she died because you know i wanted to know too, if that I think was too young right well that's the thing i don't know I thought I, I, my interpretation, right, was that he was just this swashbuckling, I'm a man and I'll fucking kill you kind of guy. Follow me into battle. I'll, I, I can be a, a mean bastard one minute and then give a rousing speech and at the end say half rations and everyone's like, fuck yeah, right? Like he's a leader. He's mm -hmm. brave. Okay. Yeah. He's yeah. gallant and on the battlefield and, you know, and lead, leading men into the gunfire and all that shit. Um, and then I think that uh, my interpretation is that it's a new relationship. Just judging by the picture on the wall of her, that she was very young and gorgeous. And uh, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so, you know, it could have been an older picture. Maybe they're together for years. Who knows? But the type of, of, of devotion, I, you know, maybe he wouldn't want to be away from her for, for all this time. And he would stop doing what he's doing, you know? Right. But it sounds like he had some kind of history at some, yeah, we will never know, but like, okay, mm. so he's using an assumed name. What's up with that? If he wasn't involved with any of the, mm. of her death, then why is he using this assumed name? Why is he not friends with anybody or talking to anybody? Like right. what, what is going on with this dude? You know, yeah. I mean, clearly he was very capable. He was, a, would be considered a gentleman. You know, he had to have some kind of backstory to, mm. you know, be that he you know yeah. aside from being courageous he was also very intelligent based on the conversations that they had mm -hmm. so I, I don't know i mean it's like i guess we'll never know and that's the thing about stories like this where you just yeah. want to know and we won't. i bet doyle i bet doyle didn't know either i bet doyle was just trying to make a cool character you know i'm sure he and, probably and was conversations like this 100 years later you know like why did he have a assumed name how long was he with this girl like what yeah so mm -hmm. um no i love stories like that it's 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 really, uh, it was really interesting. It was really interesting. And, and, uh, as a Christmas, <laughs> that's a Christmas story. It's fucking great. I love the decision. Uh, I have a question for you. Die hard Christmas movie or not. You know, I feel like I vacillated over the years and now I'm very firmly in the camp that it is a Christmas movie because yeah. we watched it last year. Yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is totally a Christmas movie. But when I watched it, when it came out, I was like, this is an awesome action movie. And this, you know, like I was just looking at it from a completely different, sure. you know, it was just happened to be Christmas. It's a total action movie, Yeah, you know, but it's definitely. First, go ahead. How about the first Lethal Weapon Christmas movie or not? Um, you know, that one didn't have as much impact on me, I think, as Die Hard, but I always loved Bruce Willis. I loved yeah. him when I was a kid with them and um uh the detective Moon, one, you know, I was for that. Moonlighting. Oh moonlighting. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um <laughs> good show. Classic. Classic it show. was. It was a yeah. good one. It was a good one. Um so Lethal Weapon, I don't really I don't have an opinion on it. What about you? Oh yeah, I think it's definitely a Christmas movie. Okay, well, what about Die Hard? Yeah, hundred percent, no question. No question. No question. Okay. Every um, so it came out in eighty eight, right? 
Die Hard, 88 Die or 89. Hard? Yeah. That sounds about 88, right. Mm-hmm. 88 or 89. And, uh, <laughs> and so, what, like four or five years ago, a meme started going around, uh, like a, a memorial, right? Like, never forget Nakatomi Tower, December 89, 30-year anniversary, right? Like, that's like a, it was really, really funny. Um mm-hmm. But I think it's definitely a Christmas movie. It was great. I think Lethal Weapon's a Christmas movie because there are a lot of a lot of themes of of uh, of you know gift and and it's better to give than receive and and forgiveness and and friendship and so uh, that first Lethal Weapon is a fucking masterpiece of an action movie. It really is. It's up there mm-hmm. with Die. Yeah. Oh yeah. Star yeah. star making turn from Mel Gibson. I mean, just incredible. Just similar mm-hmm. to you know, Bruce Willis in uh, in Die Hard. Um, what are your, do you have favorite Christmas movies? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, we have, um, you know, the kids favorite Christmas movies, which are, you know, of course, Charlie Brown. I mean, home alone is such a classic, you know, I mean, it's, we actually just, before we were recording, I was watching the Santa Claus with my kids. So yeah, we, oh. we love this time of year for Christmas. Have you seen that? Yeah. Tim Allen. No, no, no. This is a, this is a new one. It's with, um, JK, he's the guy's in everything, which I love. JK this Simmons. Yes, the guy is amazing. For Whiplash. Yeah. He, oh my gosh, you've seen Whiplash? Of course. Are you kidding me? Okay. All right. Um, it's a huge movie. It was nominated for it won Best Editing, it won Best Supporting Actor. No, okay, this is a cartoon. That oh, I, no, I Whiplash think- about, about the, the drumming school. With Miles Teller as the jazz drummer and J.K. Simmons as the monstrous instructor, it's an okay. incredible movie. Okay, okay, I'm talking. I'm thinking of something different. Anyway, I love oh. that actor. I think he's amazing. He's in everything, but um, he's in that Santa Claus. But yeah, I mean, we love, we love, you know, we got a whole a whole thing going here. You got to see Whiplash. You haven't seen that movie? I I haven't. Yeah, holy shit, you will love it. It's well, so intense. It. It's almost anxiety inducing with the intensity of of the, the the scenes in it. It's 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 so it's so good. So good. That's all I can say. It's amazing. Okay, well, watch. I'll have to watch it. Watch. I will. I will. Well, this um, has been fun. Yes, this has been great. So um what's for now? Are we gonna take a week off for Christmas? What do you wanna do? <clears throat> okay, people can't see that. Um, thumbs up. So thumbs we're going to be dark. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the Christmas special. Uh, maybe we'll do something like this for uh, the major holidays, like some crazy Edgar Allan Poe murder story for Valentine's Day coming up in a couple months. I know. When the then, next, oh, time you, next time you have to do it. I can't wait to hear then, you do it. And then you could break out your drunken Irishman for a, a St. Patrick's Day special. That would be I am great. so. You should hear my uh, unicorn song at an Irish bar. Oh, look out, man! Look out, Carolyn's got karaoke. Can't oh wait. That's God. what we should do. So, uh, until next time, Criminal Mischief Nation. We hope you all have a safe and healthy uh, holiday season. Um, Hanukkah has wrapped up. Uh, Christmas is next up. So, hope you have a great Christmas, and um, you will hear from us hear from us soon. Please consider supporting the great companies that support our show because without them, honestly, we couldn't do it. And uh, if you feel so moved, head on over to Apple Podcast and uh, 
rate, review, and share with your friends. It helps more than you know. Um, Carolyn, wonderful job. Uh, I'm not kidding about the accents. I admire your uh, your commitment to the role. So great job. You're a hell of a storyteller. Thank you. Yeah. I mean it. Okay. <laughs> Everybody have a wonderful holiday. Happy holidays to everyone. We will see you in the new year. Thank you yes. so much. Criminal Stay safe. Nation. Sorry. Stay safe out there. Bye. From Cloud 10, Criminal Mischief is a pie-in-the-sky production recorded in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. We're produced by Brandon Morgan and myself. Music by Soundstripe. I'm Carolyn Osorio, your writer and host. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.